Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. appreciate you checking out the show. On today's show, we're continuing our draft coverage as we preview more of the sleepers that Parker Hurley likes. On previous episodes, we've discussed all the players on the offensive side of the ball, except linemen, and all the positions on the defensive side of the ball. If you missed any of those, be sure to check them out. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Parker Hurley. Parks, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, ready to get into, uh, we did some skill players last time. So uh, some of the defensive players who, you know, didn't make that top 12 of NFL.com, but we're definitely keeping an eye on where they get drafted. Yeah, Parks, we can start things off here with uh, Charles Amenahu, senior edge player from Texas Parks. Um, at the Combine, he came in at about 6'5 and a half, 280. His wingspan and arm length in the 98th percentile, so he's really long there. Vertical jump was in the 91st percentile. Um, he played in all 12 games as a true freshman and earned seven starts as a sophomore. Um, in 2017, his junior year, he started 12 to 13 games and tied a lead, tied for the team lead with four sacks. And then he led the, the Longhorns in tackles for loss with 18 and sacks, nine and a half in his senior season this past year. What did you like about him whenever you saw him, Barks? He's a really interesting player who, you know, it's tough because what exactly position is he? Um, we'll definitely see. His best position is going to kind of be just like the five technique for the most part, which is, you know, really role specific, which all of a sudden does kind of, you know, probably push you down some some people's draft boards for sure. And he's a little bit raw, but like you said, um, he definitely has some really long arms, which a lot of, you know, NFL evaluators could really, you know, uh, like because the arms flash on tape for sure a lot and because he played on the edge in Texas Tech and like I said a lot of what he did was either outside the tackle or inside the tackle for the most part um, he, he you could really see his his length flash against offensive tackles and on the edge you could really see his length flash in those regards but when you kind of look at his overall profile you know he's 280 so he's pretty big for you know your standard edge rusher and for that you know he ran a 7-4 eight in the three cone um, and did better at the pro day still with seven two five, which gives him some hope on the edge. But you really, you know, what you're kind of saying is that type of bend and those type of arms on the interior could really wreak some havoc. Um, like I said, especially like if you go from like a five or like a three technique and kind of just like range between there, um, all of a sudden he could have some success disrupting some things. Um, he's a player who you could put on the edge on early downs, run stuffing downs. He could use his long arms and could set the edge against offensive tackles and then on offense on uh, passing downs you slide them inside and you do see that you know for that size and that bend on the interior that is pretty good and he is able to um you know, sinking in between uh, interior players. And for in some regards, you can kind of see that um, he does blow plays up, and that's why you could project him to the, moving into the interior on nickel downs like that. Um, but he di obviously didn't do it much, and he doesn't play with uh, too, too many instincts, especially when he's on that inside. He can really kind of, you know, just blow up towards the interior. And then he's kind of, when he gets there, he's looking around to see, you know, what exactly he can do. Rather than pass rushing with a plan, he more is just kind of using his length 
length and size and just being a bigger player. So there's definitely some questions. There's some projection in terms of where exactly is he going to play. And like I said, he's pretty role specific, but he's a player who got better every single year of his college career. And like you said, he did get to, you know, on the field a little bit early into his career, but he got better every single year playing on that edge. And, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be around that 290 and he shed some weight to kind of stand by that he's that edge rusher. Um, Like I said, I think he's best as like a 3-4 defensive end. And, you know, we're kind of moving um, outside of, you know, into more nickel is uh, base, you know, and 3-4 is kind of more nickel or, you know, sub package football more. So, like I said, it's it's more about his fit and, you know, how much of a project is he, like I said, in terms of his instincts. But like I said, I really like his arms against the run and I really like his bend on the interior. It's just, I think the two questions would be, is he strong enough in the interior? Because while he has that bend, he's a lot stronger on the outside. And then is he loose enough on the outside? You know, so he's, he's projectable in both scenarios and there's a lot to get excited about in his versatility. But at the same time, he could just be typecast into one specific situation because he lacks in so many certain areas. So, uh, yes, so much upside as there is downside. Um, I do think because he's progressed so far over his career and over, you know, uh, put together a good senior bowl, put together a good combine, everything like that. I think he has a place. I just don't think because of the projection, I think it's going to take some time for him to get into a role of a, you know, just a solid overall starter without, you know, he's not going to be the greatest, you know, upside, but a solid overall starter in the NFL uh, is nothing to hang your hat on. Park. So we'll stay um, with the edge rushers here, move on to another interesting player, Jakai Polite, the junior edge rusher from Florida at the combine, came in at about 6'2 and a half, 258, ended up running a 48440, which is the second slowest among all edge players at the combine, and his 32 inch vertical was fourth worst. Um, he pulled out of the rest of the drills with a hamstring injury. And then at his pro day, who said he said his hamstring is still bothering him, but he ran a 50440. Um, he added weight as a freshman to get on the field and played inside in the 12 games. He played strong side and defensive end as a sophomore, suffered a shoulder injury at the end of the season. And then he just started five of 13 games in 2018. But he did lead the Gators with 17 and a half tackles for the loss and 11 sacks in a year and led the nation with six forced fumbles. Whenever you watch this film, Parks, definitely things to like, but off the fields and character concerns, I'm guessing. Yeah, for the most part. And, you know, the big issue with him is that a lot of his questions needed to be answered in terms of his athletic testing. Um, I think one of the some of the bigger questions were um, he plays with a lot of speed and a lot of bend. So you were saying, you know, where does that stack up in terms of, you know, versus other players in the NFL in that regard? Because, you know, sometimes that's a little tough to judge. Also, because um, some of his best ability was, you know, like I said, kind of with that bend was really when tackles weren't able to get their hands on him was when he was at his best. So, you know, that one in one engagement was kind of where he was at his worst, you know, coming into the combine and his run support was really, you know, where he struggled because, you know, you're not really kind of just dipping under players and, you know, getting by in the running game. You kind of have to, you know, hold up on the, on that edge there. And, you know, in those situations, you could kind of see that he really kind of lacks some size. You're wondering, you know, is it, is it just that he kind of just has like a trick, you know, is, is it all is he as explosive as he potentially shows you know because 
you know, some of his tape is is questionable. And then he goes to the combine. It, re- it really was, you know, you said it was a hamstring injury. I know there's a lot of NFL teams who were just completely turned off and said that he was just, you know, potentially even making that up. Um, and I know it kind of starts with the fact that he had really poor interviews um, and he listed, you know, uh, like the Steelers, Packers, 49ers, among other teams as uh, just like specifically called them out as um, teams that interviewed him and just all they did was kind of pick apart his game. And he really didn't like, you know, the conversation that he had with those two, you know, those teams. Um, and, you know, just that's something that, I don't know, it, it was a real turnoff to a lot of teams, his attitude in terms of critiquing his game and not being able to take it with a positive attitude really turned off a lot of teams. And then he goes, you know, to the combine and he performs terribly and he leaves early and a lot of teams are, you know, really soured off by that. And then he goes to the pro day and it's even worse at the pro day. And I really think where the issue comes down to, and like I keep saying in all these podcasts, I don't know about a person's personality, so I'm not going to speak into it too much, but what probably happens is he's like 240, you know, or he plays around like 240, which is really light for, you know, heading into the NFL. And you could see that, you know, he's not the biggest player, you know, at his size. Um, He's even, you know, a little bit on the shorter side. Um, But like I said, he's probably, when you really watch him play, you're thinking he's probably going to come in around 240. And I was thinking, you know, hey, let's hope he gets in around 248, 250. That'd be perfect. That would show that he's preparing in the offseason to get to this point. And then we'll see what his athleticism is at NFL size. Um, it just seems like what he did was uh, just ate a lot to, you know, put that weight on, but didn't, you know, just kind of thought that I'm going to eat a lot. I'm going to put on a ton of weight and then I'm just going to blow this combine up, like not thinking that, you know, there's a difference between adding good weight and there's adding bad weight. And, you know, you could laugh about it, but it's, you know, uh, it's funny because I've actually seen this story a couple times recently. Um, the one most recent was Arden Key last year, who actually may turn into a decent pro player. And I think he, he definitely had a better, uh, you know, overall combine than Ja'Kai Polite. But Arden Key, uh, I think he like lost 20 pounds heading into his last year of college and then tried to gain it all back. And it was just had an awful last season. Um, and he was extremely polarizing in that same regard as Polite, where he was a first round player who all of a sudden saw himself in the third round with the Raiders. Another very similar one. And I think this is uh, the most similar is uh, Tim Williams, because Tim Williams showed. And I think it's the same in that uh, it's their ankle flexion or their ankle flexibility is what's really strong with both of them. It just doesn't seem like either of them really has the desire to work on much more of their game than that. And Tim Williams was a guy who I thought was a first round pick heading into the combine. And I thought Ja'Kai Polite, I'll definitely admit that his tape was really good. And, and like I said, I think it comes down to, you know, dip and ankle flexion. Um, I could get really excited about that when you combine it with speed. But then he has to put on weight for the combine and he doesn't. Then he shows up to the combine slow. And then all there's all these reports about, you know, off the field, about conditioning, about questions and this and that. Tim Williams fell to the third round. So that's exactly what you're thinking about with Ja'Kai Polite. And I mean, Tim Williams, Arden Key, SEC pass rushers who were speed rushers in the SEC who had really good ankle flexion, really good dip, and had serious off-field concerns, fell to the third round. Um, It's looking like Arden Key's a hit, and Tim Williams is going to potentially step in for Terrell Suggs, so we'll see where they feel about him based on how they draft to replace Suggs. So, I mean, we'll see, but like I said, they're both third-round picks, and that's where Ja'Kai Polite falls from a third first-rounder to a surefire third-rounder, and you know that's what, from you know pick 20 to pick 100 potentially is really what he did um, in terms of falling, and you know 
know, definitely showed is, you know, lack of maturity, lack of, um, like I said, just weight issues are a huge issue in the NFL because he's already getting bodied by bigger players. And then, you know, you don't even see the speed because he put on 18 bad pounds of weight. That's like some serious questions um, that you, you know, would you invest $600,000 in someone who, you know, put on 18 pounds of bad weight? That's a serious question. So that's where you have Ja'Kai Polite. Parks and um, we're going to stay with another edge rusher here. Anthony Nelson, the redshirt junior edge player from Iowa Parks. He came into the combine at 6'7", 271. Uh, I mean, just a massive dude. His wingspan and arm length are above the 90th percentile as well. Uh, ran a 482, uh, really explosive jumps, and his three cone was in the 6.95 is really good. That's 92nd percentile. Um, whenever you watch his film parks, uh, did you see a lot of that or do you still have some questions? There's definitely some questions. And I mean, you know, obviously aside from some of the weight or, you know, if you showed me Anthony Nelson's weight adjusted speed scores in his three cone and you said that that was Ja'Kai Polite, I would have been like, yeah, that probably, you know, that's the type of explosion and bend and ankle flexibility that you would have saw from somebody, a speed rusher like Polite. Anthony Nelson was a power player more so at, um, at Iowa, you know, that's, you know, what you would kind of think about with Iowa, who obviously used his length to his advantage. Um, similarly to a guy like Charles Amenihu, who was very strong in terms of his ability to set the edge, very strong in, you know, where and when he was able to punch. And against longer arm tackles in that Big Ten, you know, that that is a breeding ground for some strong offensive tackles. He was able to, you know, win with leverage, win with size, win with strength. Um, you just didn't really see um, some of this bend and burst, like the biggest thing with his bend is that um, you saw it in glimpses for sure, especially in his interior movements. I think compared to a guy like Charles Amenihue, he's more refined in his interior rush plan. So he automatically comes in with that ability to, on early downs, use his length to set the edge and then on uh, passing down, slide into the inside. And I think he has you know that plan and that burst and that uh, short area quickness to where he could really be wreak havoc on third downs. That's where he's going to be strong in the NFL. Um, it's just, yeah, the the one thing you really didn't see with him was uh, balance on the edge. And, it, you know, one thing that is interesting is that he only put up 18 reps on the bench press, which is really low for somebody like him. And that might be where some of his balance comes in you know, into play. Um, but that's where I didn't think he was going to have a three cone like that because I, I didn't think he was going to be that flexible and that ability to, you know, turn that edge. And that's where you come back to if he puts on the pads, you know, that's where you start to, you know, like I said, you put in the bench press, you combine some of the tape and you say, well, when he puts on the pads, is he going to be that great? And that's where, you know, like I keep saying, the combine, you know, shows elite athlete, high upside, ridiculous, everything like that. I think when you combine his tape, his profile, and what he could do in the NFL, you kind of just have a player. I think one of the best comparisons would be Jack Crawford from the Cowboys, uh, you know, mainly a defensive tackle who could, you know, play, you know, like I said, he could more play that like a one, three, five, you know, even slide out to the seven if needed, maybe even play more seven than one technique, um, but really kind of playing, you know, either shading over the guard or the tackle. And like I said, just based on the situation, you could scheme him differently. Um, yeah, he, he is a player I'm interested in. And he's a player that I think just based on his athleticism and his length and his tape, I would take him over Draymond Jones, who I know Jones is probably a second round pick, but um, that's, that's where I would look at him in that regard is probably like a second rounder 
or a player who everyone's hyping up Draymond Jones. I'm saying Anthony Nelson and even Charles Amenehu, um have similar size, weights, and you know a little more athleticism. Um, I thought Jones had balance issues, and it showed a lot in his testing. Nelson showed that while he has balance issues, there's something there to take out of him. So um, that's where I would take a guy like Anthony Nelson. Parks, another guy that tested really well, Ben Banigu, the redshirt uh, senior edge player from TCU at the combine. He came in at six three and a half, two fifty. Um, his forty yard dash was a four six two. His vertical was forty. Broad jump one thirty four. I mean, those are all in the ninetieth percentile. His three cone was in the eightieth percentile at seven oh two. What did you like about him? Whenever you saw his film, there he's a really interesting player because some of that you saw for sure on tape. Some of that you didn't really see on tape. Um, you definitely saw that he was, uh, you know, a rocked up athlete, really just big, strong, and fast for his size. But um, I thought that he was going to have a combine somewhat similarly to Bud Dupree, in that, um, like I keep saying, you know, I knew he was going to be big and strong and explosive but where Bud Dupree lacked was his three cone you know he didn't really have that bend or that change of direction that you really you know need to see from some of your pass rushers um and that's you know when you watch some of his TCU tape he didn't bend at all like I think worse a lot worse than Bud Dupree in terms of he was just a you know like a straight up pass rusher but then he went to the three cone and just you know uh I compared it to Khalil Mack I also compared it to Cameron Wimbley so you know I think there's as much upside in terms of he could bend and get you know he has the same length same uh burst and same uh flexibility as a guy like Khalil Mack um but like I said, it's the same as Cameron Wimbley too. So if you don't know how to use it, and that's where I think he is in his game right now, is that he just doesn't know how to use what you clearly saw at the combine was some like serious God-given athleticism, you know. Um, and where he was best in at TCU, and where you could see where I knew he was going to be a freak athlete, um, was that like stunts twists um running sideline to sideline uh like he could really move uh and he tcu just abused the fact that he was good on stunts and like he would line up outside the tackle he would um and he would you know go around the tackle and inside to the center and would just run right past the center straight up the gut into the you know into the uh, backfield and that's where he got pretty much all of his production and i think we talked about it with lj collier or no we talked about it with uh or yeah we did talk about it with lj collier that uh banning Goo had an has an article on Pro Football Focus where him and Collier are you know victims of it doesn't sound like TCU does much developing of their edge rushers you know what they did was said okay Banigou you're raw in this regard instead of developing him here uh, we're just going to use you on twists and stunts you know um, and while that you know it's smart in some ways it's going to help you win some games in the short term um, I don't think it you know it made Banigou you know go from like I said he has Khalil Max you know size and everything where's the hype for this guy um, it's not there. You know, it, there's little flashes where you could see the bend um, for sure. But like I said, a lot of it was just upright running. And a lot of it is he was schemed out of you know having to use a lot of what he did. So he's a very high upside player. Like I said, I think Bud Dupree is even, you know, in the realm of possibilities for what his career could be. It's just he's got to really get developed in terms of that bend. And that, that's really the main. And the other thing is his uh, his hand usage could probably get, get worked up a little bit, obviously, because he never really really fought one-on-one with tackles so um he's definitely raw he's definitely gonna fall out of you know 
know, like that, like I keep saying, you know, the first rounder, you know, why is he up there with these elite edge rushers when he tested like one? Because he's super raw. There, there's a lot to, you know, develop with him, but it's all there. And I, you know, like I said, in bits and flashes at TCU, you saw it. And at the very worst, you could use him on these twists and stunts and, you know, in similar ways. And you could potentially use him as like a Sam. You could potentially use him as like an off ball linebacker and move him around a little bit. So yeah, he's super fascinating, super raw. Um, we'll see, like I said, because there's there's a lot to develop in his game. So we'll see if the right coaches get their hands on him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he lands, Parks. Another kid, Justin Hollins, redshirt senior, edge player from Oregon Parks, six five and a quarter, two forty eight, which isn't very good for that height though. Um, forty yard dash was a four five, which is crazy, ninety eighth percentile. Um, both of his jumps are really good as well. Three cones, seven oh six. He got on the field in fourteen games as a true freshman. But um, oddly, redshirted the following year due to the depth in the team. And they put him back in the, in the starting lineup at defensive end in 2016. Moved to linebacker as a junior. And then team high, 14 and a half tackles for loss and six sacks. And five force fumbles tied for second in the FBS this past season. Whenever you watched his film, Parks, what did you like about him? Yeah, according to Dane Brugler, he tore his Achilles tendon in 2015. So, yeah, there's that on his resume. So, also, I think it was either from 2016 to 2017. At some point, they moved him from a... Uh, he, I think he was an off-ball linebacker to start, and then they moved him to edge rusher. But nonetheless, he pretty much can play off of the ball and can play edge rusher for the most part. And um, that's kind of becoming a more valuable you know, commodity in today's NFL, especially in terms of tight ends in today's NFL. You know, you could line up a guy in line and he could block and you could really power teams down. And we saw the New England Patriots say that, okay, everyone's spreading the football out and, you know, everybody's going nickel. We're going to go heavy and pound these teams, you know, to a Super Bowl. That's pretty much what they did. You could, with a guy like Justin Hollins, obviously, you know, I'm not saying Justin Hollins is going to beat the Patriots, but um, Justin Hollins is a guy that you could put him, if he's, you know, if he's on the edge, he could, you know, has the size and the strength and everything like that to defend the run. If he's out in space or if you motion a tight end to the slot, he's not going to get absolutely murdered in the slot and he can do some sideline to sideline run defense as well. And, you know, keeping with the Patriots, it's similar to a guy like Kyle Van Noy and his usage, you know, and Kyle Van Noy was an edge rusher at BYU who Detroit drafted him and just had no idea what to do with him because he's, you know, a, a little bit undersized. Um, he's an edge rusher who, you know, is like he's a, just a tweener who can, you know, roam sideline to sideline. Justin Hollins is faster than a guy like Kyle Van Noy even. Um and he's a little bit more unrefined as a uh, overall pass rusher, but his ability to find the football and his ability to go sideline to sideline is definitely something to um, you know get invested in. And I think while Van Noy has a little bit more strength, I think Hollins is obviously faster. So that's where I think even more so than a guy like Van Noy, he could play off of the ball a lot in today's NFL, and he can match up on tight ends in today's NFL. It's just on top of that, you have the potential for you know a uh, developmental pass rusher. He doesn't really have the uh, ability to set the edge. He doesn't really have, uh, I would say it's like the leg strength, I guess, to um, like stand there with tackles and set the edge, but he can explode off of the football. And if he does get like a free rush off the edge and he kind of can get a step or two without tackles being able to get their hands on him, 
that's where he is really strong. You know, he's kind of like a raw version of Jakai Polite with the actual numbers to match up to it. So um, that's kind of the, that's the type of player you're looking for with, with a guy like Justin Hall. It's just a really high upside who can do a little bit of both because he's so raw in a lot of areas. At the very worst, he's a special teamer, and that's where he's going to fall into this, you know, like probably in like the fourth round range. But um, there's definitely some upside, and there's a reason to take him in that fourth round range. Parks, we'll move inside to D lineman for a little bit here. Dalen Mack, the senior defensive lineman from Texas A&M, came to the combine at 6'1", 336, ended up running a 5'1 there. Um, a lot of his percentiles in terms of his length aren't very impressive, but he did um, play all four years at Texas A&M. As a true freshman, he played in all 13 games, nine and a half tackles for loss, played in all 13 again as a sophomore. He ended up starting for them his junior year, and then started all 13 games his senior year and had 10 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and also blocked a kick. Um, more of a nose guy, Parks, but whenever you watched him, what did you like? It's kind of just Daylon Mack. Oh, I guess we are going to talk about Greg Gaines too, but uh, there's just like a couple of the top nose tackles um, that we're going to highlight here. And I think Daylon Mack is one of the top nose tackles. And I think I've talked about it in one of the other podcasts that, you know, nose tackles don't necessarily have the value that they do, but... Um, Max, a person who can stick his feet in the ground, and it's going to be tough for some of even the stronger interior offensive linemen in the NFL to move him. And it still helps in the you know the thought process that um, he's a player who it's tough to step up into pockets, obviously because there's kind of just like a rock in the middle of the field, and obviously running up the middle, you can get him on the field in goal line situations. Um, because the NFL is spreading it out so much more, he is like a 15 to 20 snap at most type of player in the NFL. Um, maybe he does only get you know a goal line snap here and there, um, a special team snap. Like you said, he actually blocked a kick. And what makes Daylon Mack actually stand out to some of these other nose tackles is that he actually did um, upfield penetrate a little bit more than some of these other, you know, your typical nose tackles. Um, So that's really, that's all you're going to get from him. And you're drafting him late because he's very role specific in terms of he's going to mainly, I mean, like I said, sometimes he could line up over the guard and get upfield a little bit. I mean, there are going to be better options in the NFL. NFL than a guy like Mac, but at least he has that versatility in the regards that maybe he can get on the field for five extra snaps because of something like that. But for the most part, he's going to line up over the center. Um, like you said, he has that burst to um, potentially block some kicks on special teams and um, just be, uh, you know, one of the top 32 plugger nose tackles in the NFL. I think he has the potential for that. So um, yeah, Dalon Mack is definitely a guy that you have to um, highlight as while the ceiling isn't going to be high, the floors, I think, equally as high for him. Park, so we'll talk about another guy that you already mentioned, Greg Gaines, it's senior defensive lineman from Washington. Came to combine at 6'1", 312, so pretty similar size there. Ran a 5'16", also, but um, did 30 reps on the bench, which Mac did as well, Parks. Um, how, what do you like about him and compared to Mac? Yeah, like you said, um, you know, similar. Just that, that's, uh, and I think that they could both be in similar roles with each other. Um, I think gains probably a, somewhat of a difference would be a little more sideline to sideline fluidity, whereas Mac is a little more upfield. And that's just going to come down to, you know, scheme and dependency. But um, I also don't think Mac has uh, or uh, 
Gaines has necessarily great reach, but that fluidity to kind of move sideline to sideline. And like you said, with the bench press, um, you could really see his strength and his ability to kind of bench press human beings on a football field. Um, And that's where, okay, maybe he isn't going to be explosive and his first step isn't going to rock anybody's world off the field. Um, If he can get out of his stance and bench press a center, that's going to, you know, like I keep saying, you know, whether it be 10 to 10 snaps a game, that's going to be able to work. Um, Definitely his arm length is going to um, be an issue for some people because, you know, one, it's easier to do bench press with shorter arms. It's not easier to bench press offensive linemen with shorter arms. You know, that's kind of the big issue with him. But I think his, um, you know, like his refinement and his physical overall nature. And um, I think, yeah, he's he's well coached. And I think he's able to um, be able to stick his feet in the ground and just defend the run. So um, in my opinion, one of the safer, if you want to just draft a nose tackle and just be safe with it, um, Daylon Mack and Greg Gaines are kind of the two that I would highlight. I'm with you, Parks, and uh, we'll move back to edge rushers here, Parks. Max Crosby, junior edge player from Eastern Michigan at the Combine, came in an eighth inch under 6'5", 255, 81-inch um, wingspan, ended up running a 4'6", 6". His vertical jump, broad jump, three-cone, 20-yard, and 60-yard shuttle were all above the 90th percentile, which is crazy. So he tested really well, Parks. Um, As a sophomore, he broke out and earned first-team All-Mac and Team Most Valuable Defensive Player honors. He had 16.5 tackles for loss and a team-high 11 sacks. The Mac coaches voted him first-team All-Conference this past year, and he had 70 tackles, 19 for loss, 7.5 sacks, four pass breakups, and four fumbles in those 12 games. What did you like about his film parts whenever you watched him? Yeah, like you said, um, highly productive and highly athletic. You know, what's not to like? He definitely doesn't have uh, some of the length that would be desired by some. And he lacks some of the physical strength. Um, and that's where I think his biggest issue is going to be in terms of moving to the NFL is just setting the edge. I think it's going to be tough for him overall. And especially once longer armed offensive tackles, you know, it's easy to get, you know, uh, that step, that dip and that explosion when you're at Eastern Michigan. It's another thing when you have these long-armed offensive tackles. While it did test that he's going to, you know, physically be able to have explosion that could match up with NFL production in the NFL, um, the question the question with him is going to come down to how much can you use him because how limited is he? You know, is he a player that you get him on that line of scrimmage and if his hand's down, we're going to run at him like crazy because some of these bigger offensive linemen are going to be able to get their hands on him and they're going to blow him off the ball and they're going to run heavy to those situations. Um is so is he a player that could only play on third downs you know or or is he a player that could only play with his hand up um and you know could potentially move a little bit from sideline to sideline and maybe help out in the run a little bit in those regards but i do think um he's a player that on third downs or when you do need a sack or when you do need to rely on a pass rusher um i think you could look to a guy like max crosby who you know maybe early on into his career is playing some of this versatile stuff but you kind of build up some of his core strength you kind of build up some of his technique in terms of his hand usage because that's kind of another thing and he really did just kind of win with um 
not just the athleticism, but he was a really high effort player too. So um, you kind of just get that. And he would really just like beat offensive tackles off of the football, or he would really just, you know, chase down the ball from, you know, the backside um, with all of his speed. And uh, that's why you really like uh, the high effort. And at the very worst, you have just a really high um, quality special teams player because he has high effort. He's extremely fast and um, he can tackle. So, I mean, at the very worst, you have that. It comes down to um, how much is he going to be able to use his hands and his length at the next level? Is he just going to completely, you know, every time he tries to put his hand on a tackle, is he just going to get swatted down and batted away? I mean, there's some potential with that. You know, there's some potential to build him up and he could be um, a really strong uh, NFL player. You know, a similar player is uh, Brian Robeson from, you know, the Vikings, uh, you know, all those years and everything like that. And even Harold Landry has similar statistics and Harold Landry struggled against the run as well. And uh, he ended up going in round two. And, um, you know, he, he, like I kind of said, you know, was rotational in his first year at Tennessee, but I think he had like four or five sacks in his first year. So there's potential that that could be the type of player you get with Crosby, especially when you combine a lot of the traits he has with, I think, some of that worker mentality that he brings. Parks, we'll move back a level here to uh, Ben Burke Irvin, the senior linebacker from Washington. The combine showed up at six foot 230, ended up running a four, five, six. Um, did pretty nice in the explosive metrics as well. His three count was pretty nice, but this is a guy that'll be playing linebacker. He contributed for Washington all of his years that he was there. In 2017, he uh, got second team All-Pac-12 honors with team high 84 tackles. In 2018, he was Associated Press All-American and Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He led the country with 176 tackles ranking third with 94 solos and posted five and a half of those for loss. Also two sacks, two interceptions, six pass breakups, three fumble recoveries, and four forced fumbles. Whenever you watch him, Parks, I know you watch a lot of the guys on the Washington defense that you really liked. What did you see about his game? Yeah, he's just another one. And he's one that, you know, first I'm just watching Byron Murphy. And then I'm like, oh, this Taylor Rapp guy. You know, and then I'm just watching Taylor Rapp. And then I'm like, this guy, Ben Burkirvin, you know, why is nobody talking about him? And, you know, it's because if you watch enough Washington football, you can't not watch Ben Burkirvin. You just listed all of his statistics. Like, it's not just 176 tackles, which is absurd. It's the sacks and the forced fumbles and the passes deflected. And he has a couple passes deflected that led to interceptions and then has a couple interceptions himself. So um, the production is just just unreal and unbelievable. And a lot of people are going to look at him and they all are going to say the same thing. Um, he's a short, a little bit small white kid um, who's highly productive in college football. I've seen a hundred of these. You know, uh, what's the dude? Ben Bulware from Clemson or Tyler Matakavich from, you know, uh, or Scooby Wright. You know, all these players. Uh, the difference is this dude is highly athletic. Ben Burkirvin is um, similar sizes to some of those guys but just it's much more athletic than all of those guys. Um, one of the big areas where it's going to be an issue for him is his arm length. And a lot of people are um, saying that, you know, he can't really shed blocks. And a lot of people are saying, oh, his defensive line, because Vita Vea was a top 10 pick the year before. And Greg Gaines, you know, is just a plugger of a player who can keep Ben Burkirvin clean, despite the fact that Ben Burkirvin is, you know, undersized and doesn't have the length. And, you know, I'm saying, you know, well, Greg Gaines is just like a sixth round pick. Are we really saying that Ben Burkirvin has 176 tackles because Greg Gaines is a sixth round pick? And, you know, sure, Vita Vea last year, but, he, you know, he wasn't there this season. So, you know, are we really saying that? And then 
you watch some of Ben Burkhoven and you know there are definitely some instances um, I think instinctually first off where he might be a beat slow and um, I said it in the Taylor Rapp thing where Taylor Rapp is you know slower tested speed was just so much more instinctual than Ben Burkhoven that he would beat Burkhoven to spots despite being a couple yards away from the football more away from the football than Burkhoven but still uh, he was able to get sideline to sideline and it showed in terms of his tested speed Um, and he was yes it's true that he was playing without many um, linemen coming into the second level to get their hands on him Um, he he showed the ability to stack blocks in specific situations and I have an article um, if you Google Ben Burkhoven and Parker Hurley where I show I think it's like third and two against Utah and they run straight up the gut and Ben Burkhoven says you're getting one yard and that's it and just completely stacks um, I think he sheds a block and then stacks the uh, running back and holds him to a one yard gain so I mean yes that's not NFL caliber players and yes there were instances where his length you know did struggle and yes there wasn't many situations where offensive linemen got to the second level but a lot of that comes down to he's playing a little bit ahead of these offensive linemen he's playing faster and he's playing with better change of direction than them Um, yes his length is going to be a question in terms of getting bodied by bigger receivers or tight ends um, because really you know his job in the NFL isn't going to be that downhill stacking blocks you know while I say that he can do it he can do it in terms of he can get on an NFL field and do it his best ability is going to be you know like he's like a oversized safety you know he showed up 230 to the combine which is just enough to play linebacker but he's a little bit of an oversized safety in that he's going to play closer to the line of scrimmage can stack blocks if he needs to but he's going to play in space and that's why linemen didn't really get to the second level on him because he was playing so much in space um it was playing so much in coverage and that's where you saw it. and you know what was interesting about some of his um plays were that he made them in big time moments you know like I said you know one of his bigger plays was tipping that ball in the air that Taylor Rapp ended up picking off you know a lot of those are some of his better plays in coverage so like I said I think a lot of people are discounting the fact that he's a smaller white dude um, but he showed up to the combine bigger than people expected a lot of people thought he was going to be in the 220 range and he showed up much more um, athletic than people expected and he showed fluidly to while yes he doesn't have the reach against tight ends he has the fluidity one and he has the you you know, instincts and coverage ability that showed in at the college level as well. So um, he's a player that I'm putting some chips on for sure to be a, you know, a coverage linebacker who, yeah, he's not going to be that, you know, downhill old school linebacker getting after the run. But like I keep saying, you know, we're having slot receivers, you know, our tight ends and tight ends are slot receivers and we can run the ball here and we can throw the ball there. And, you know, at least he can cover people um, in an NFL where not many linebackers can cover people. So that's where I would put my chips on Ben Burkirvin. Um We'll definitely see, you know, how far he falls um, and we'll definitely see um, if he's able to, you know, overcome some of his physical limitations based on his, um, you know, production instincts and athleticism. Parks, another uh, undersized guy. Sutton Smith, the junior linebacker from Northern Illinois, actually played edge at um, Northern Illinois at the combine. He came in at six foot and three eighths, 233 uh, wingspan and arm length are both in the one percentile hand size in the fourth, but did run a four six nine forty yard dash. His three cone was a six seven five, which is crazy. He played in all twelve games as a reserve pass rusher his freshman year, consensus all American in two thousand and seventeen, set a school record and led the FBS with two point three tackles for loss per game. He had twenty nine and a half of those total, ranked third in the country with one point oh eight sacks per game. 
also finished with 63 total tackles, three passes defended, and three fumbles. Um, Parks highly productive, but like I said, played on the edge at Northern Illinois. Um, is she going to be able to do that in the NFL or is she going to have to play linebacker? Yeah, he's going to have to move to linebacker. And, you know, it goes back to some of these other guys I talked about. You know, Ja'Kai Polite looked like he was about 240 and then showed up 258 um, because he wanted to prove that he's an edge player. You know, Sun Smith weighs 233. Yeah, so that's, a, you know, there's really, I don't think there's much wiggle room. You know, 240 is really light. Under 240 is pushing it. Under 235, you cannot play edge rusher in the NFL. I just don't, you know, there's Nobody who's been able to, and you know, it's just hard to say that anyone could physically hold up um, against the run. And people, you know, like I keep saying, you know, teams would just consistently run to his side and would consistently maul him. But what was interesting to Sutton Smith is, like I kind of said, comparing him to Ben Banigou in this class is that while Ben Banigou was an unrefined pass rusher who they just kind of used his athleticism to his advantage, Sutton Smith was actually a little more refined as a pass rusher. Um, it's just that he's not going to be able to. Re- really do what he did in college that at the NFL level. So you kind of have to all of everything about Sutton Smith is projection, but you take his athleticism and you take his size and you say he could fit as a similar player to almost like I said with BBK. I mean BBK weighs 230 and they're saying he's an undersized linebacker. Sutton Smith weighs 233. Yeah, so Devin Bush weighs what 237 and he's you know quote unquote undersized. So you know like this is that's where Sutton Smith is. He's not an edge. He cannot play on the edge in the NFL at the very worst you definitely have a special teams player and at the very worst you have a player who you know is matchup specific in terms of he could stand on the edge and then blitz off of the edge and you know a lot of those instincts come back um you know, because he's lined up over a tight end, but he's going to have to be able to show that he can play against tight ends in coverage. Um, where, like I said, you know, he was he rushed the passer a lot more than Banigou. He played similarly to Banigou in that he showed that he can play line uh, sideline to sideline a little bit, and that's going to obviously have to help in the, at the uh, you know at the next level. And he showed that he can tackle in space. Um, but the biggest questions with him are going to be, like I kind of said, how can he hold up in you know man coverage against tight ends? Um, how can he hold up, you know, reading zone off of the football, you know, moving fluidly? Like, you know, he showed at the combine that he can change directions well and that he has flexibility enough to do it. It's just everything about him is projection. So, I mean, at the he's going to go to, you know, round four or five, you know, potentially even round seven because of, you know, it's just you're just betting on the fact that one he always produced like always produced you know no matter what the situation like I said he was used in a lot of different ways so he always produced and then two he was athletic as heck but that's really that's all you're going off of with Sutton Smith so um it's you know he's a guy that you kind of root for and you kind of stick a pin in because of the athleticism and production kind of all match but yeah it's going to be tough to see you know how does he fit in today's NFL we'll see Parks we'll go out west for the last two guys we're going to talk about here Cameron Smith the senior linebacker from USC at the combine showed up at 6'2", 238. His hand size was in the 94th percentile. Vertical and broad jump were both very explosive. Um, he actually started building his reputation as a fourth grader, and he suited up and played against the eighth graders. Honors started early in his collegiate career as well. He got freshman All-American and honorable All-Pac-12 notice in 2015, but he ended up having season-ending surgery on torn knee ligaments 
but somehow returned for the season opener in 2016. Had 83 tackles, seven for loss then. He was a first-team All-Pac 12 player in 2017. He had 112 tackles that year, 11 of which went for loss. Only played in 10 games this past year, but still landed second-team All-Conference. Led the Trojans again with 81 tackles, seven and a half of those for loss. Parks, whenever you watched him, what did you like about his game? Yeah, and, you know, kind of just like you highlighted, you know, just based off of his backstory, it's kind of a player that you start to invest in, you know, playing up at a younger age, you know, coming back from injury and still performing at a same, you know, high level of play, um, consistently putting up production, you know, consistently. And I think a lot of these, um, we've talked about some of these coaches, I think a lot of these USC guys are falling because of their coaching situation. Um, and, you know, we talked about that with Sam Darnold throughout uh, the NFL season that, you know, USC might not have been in the best hands, even, you know, and Darnold, I think kind of propped up just how poor that situation may have been for a year or two. So I think a guy like Cameron Smith, and we're going to talk about, uh, I think, Marshall and Tell next episode. So USC guys, you know, keep listening, um, are just like highly athletic. You know, they went to USC, you know, it's still the same old USC type of, you know, lore and everything like that. And they produced at these levels. It's just they're like falling down draft boards, you know, for, you know, they all, all have questions and none of them really developed. And, you know, that's where, you, like I kind of said, you're kind of going back to the coaching staff to where, okay, they got the, they got the athletes and then these athletes didn't do anything, you know, and that's kind of, you know, despite the fact that Cameron Smith is just like, you know, laying his heart on the line and just like, you know, bleeding for this, you know, like you said, coming back from all these injuries. And that's why he is a player that you want to bet on because he has the size, he has the athleticism. Um, he's definitely a downhill player and he just, you know, that's cool with him. Um, you know, he completely loves playing downhill, loves getting physical against the run, um, loves reading and reacting against the run. And that's the type of player, you know, you're going to get with him. And like I keep saying with a lot of these players, at the very worst, that leads to special teams for sure. Um, you know, especially with like his attitude and his demeanor, you just know that like that's a special teams player. Um, but on top of that, I think you saw in situations, and I know the Pac-12 is, you know, it's not the SEC or anything like that, but in situations, you did see him get over to the sideline and make plays. Um, the biggest questions with him are going to be in coverage. Uh, he's a player where athletically you could see, you know, some peaks in coverage and you could say, hey, you know, over 235, you know, like I said, that's kind of a, a bigger size linebacker. And like I said, with his aggression against the run now, um, you already have that. And if there's at least a little bit of something in coverage and because he tested and showed that there's some good possibilities in coverage, um, that's where you start to get excited about him. It's just right now, like I said, he's undeveloped in coverage and he's super raw in coverage and a lot of his ability is um after the fact you know um you know especially like when he's in zone coverage it kind of happens before he reacts to it um crossers things like that um are where his issues are but like i said projection wise you could say he could probably hang with some tight ends over the middle of the field um it's just you didn't really see what he did in those regards at the nfl level um compare him to a guy we talked about um in the previous episode a guy like tavon coney um i think coney uh, you know, they're similar because they're similar size and both of their best traits are against the run. Um, I would say, you know, I think they're similar against the run. I just think Tony's more instinctive against the run. Cameron Smith has more upside athletically against the run. So that's where I, I kind of group those two together. And, you know, I think they would probably get drafted, you know, in a similar space to each other or potentially, you know, have similar outcomes in terms of the NFL. But Cameron Smith, 
if you get him in the right hands, could have more upside. Tavon Coney, I think, is a lot safer. So that's kind of the difference between those two, and that's the kind of player that I see with uh, Cameron Smith. And like I said, I would bet on him, especially you know if he starts to fall in like these you know six type of rounds, because the very worst I'm getting a special teams player who is just going to lay his heart on the line. So you can't hate that. Parks. Last guy we'll talk about uh, another Pac-12 linebacker, Cody Barton, a senior linebacker from Utah. Came to the combine six two and a half, two thirty seven. At that weight, ran a four six four. Ended up putting thirty reps on the bench press up, which is really impressive. Um, had a pretty nice three cone twenty yard shuttle was really nice as well. Parks. Uh, he's coming off an honorable mention All Pac twelve senior season. Led the team with one hundred sixteen tackles. Also credited with ten and a half of those for loss, four sacks, interception, and six pass breakups. Um, he had been a part time starter previous the previous two seasons. Um, so he's really just getting full playing time this one year parks. So whenever you watched him though, what did you like about his game? Yeah, I feel like I'm one of the only people on the Cody Barton bandwagon right now, except I did. And it's funny because Cody Barton's a person, as like I said, from being from Pittsburgh, um, a really hot topic, at least for me is, you know, which linebacker are the Steelers going to draft this year? And so I've watched a lot of these guys and Cody Barton stood out to me like from months ago. And I search all the time. I just look for Cody Barton's name. Like, is anybody talking about this guy? Is anybody even ranking this guy? Like, is he even going to get drafted? I keep looking and like, nobody has him getting drafted. I mean, PS, I don't think they had him in their top 250. Um, Lance Zierlein has him in like a 6th, 7th round pick. And then Gil Brandt saved me because he has him like 70th overall in his top 150. And I was like, finally, we have a Cody Barton truther, me and Gil Brandt. And Gil Brandt's pretty tuned into the NFL, so I actually take that as, you know, hey, if you guys aren't watching, I'm watching because Cody Barton is a guy that I'm putting some chips on, and I think that he definitely has a chance to make it in the NFL. Um, I think a lot of the reason he's flying under the radar is because he only has one year of production um you know he really didn't start until that senior season but he's still he's like two years younger than uh, chase hansen the other guy that people are propping up from utah and of the two i would totally prefer cody barton than chase hansen because cody barton is gonna i think he's strong in coverage i think he you know like you said you saw it in his three cone and you saw it in his short shuttles um what are three cone and short shuttles change of direction and flexibility um what do you need against quick running backs who are you know smaller and shiftier than you change of direction and flexibility like i just see him being and you know he's showed and you know okay it's the Pac-12 he showed that he can run and chase uh, running backs out of the backfield and make plays on the football he has a really strong highlight worthy play that I'll probably post at some point depending on who drafts him um, and I, you know it's obvious everybody is going to see the highlight because it's like his one highlight play or it's like the one, one or two that I've seen but uh, you know he has a really strong interception on a running back running a wheel route down the field and you see it you know throughout his tape you know tight ends and running backs he can defend them and this is an NFL where we're struggling to find tight ends and running backs. Um, and like you said, you know, all, all of his biggest questions in terms of, you know, like what guys like Lance Zierlein, what guys like Dane Brugler are saying, you know, he struggles to process versus to run and he struggles to stack versus to run. And I'm, you know, he put up 30 reps at the bench press, you know, like if I think you could teach him a little bit more against the run if you really need to. Um, and especially when you get like this low down and you start like sifting through some of these linebackers and I'm like looking at all these linebackers names. And I'm like, this guy's getting propped up we're propping up this guy here and like nobody wants to talk about Cody Barton so I'm going to talk about Cody Barton um he's my pick for like the Dorian O'Daniel of the year that like nobody's talking about him and he's going to get drafted higher than people think and he's going to be able to play in specific situations in his rookie year defending running backs and tight ends out of the backfield so you know maybe there's 
issues against the run. Um, I think, you know, in specific situations, you can make it work. And I think that physically he can handle the run better than some people think. And he's going to make it, but he has a better chance than Chase Hansen, in my opinion, for sure. The other kid from Utah and uh, Eric Weddle tweeted something about him and tweeted that, you know, Cody Barton, you know, because Eric Weddle went to Utah and he was saying, you know, Cody Barton's going to have a long NFL career. And I completely agree with him. Um, And you can see with his change of direction, you can see with his instincts, with his fluid. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, he tested completely fine. And while it's one season of production, he put up, you know, big time stats for a team that went to the Pac-12 championship. So um, compared to a lot of these other guys, like I said, I would take Cody Barton. All right, Parks. Flag planted Cody Barton. Um, anything else you want to add? I know we're going to move on to some secondary players in the next episode. Yeah, that's kind of it. There's a lot of these kind of smaller running back or <laughs> smaller linebackers who we could kind of stick in that, you know, BBK, Cody Barton range. Those are kind of the two that I mainly wanted to profile, but there are a couple other guys. And, uh, you know, hit me up if you want me to talk about other players or, you know, if you want to, uh, yeah, I could write a profile about him or anything. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that uh, later. All right, we'll catch you guys next time.